Hey there, welcome to season two of Talented, the Get Your Guide Talent podcast. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we had to push back the launch of the season from spring 2020. Though the recording is from a pre-COVID world, we still hope that you can take some nuggets with you from the conversation. For more information about our culture and adapting to safety regulations, please visit our blog, inside.getyourguide.com. Santé, and on to the episode. Welcome to Talented, Get Your Guide's monthly podcast where we discuss the latest trends and strategies in the talent acquisition industry. Today's topic is product and design, and we're going to be looking into the relationship between hire manager and recruiter. So I'm Amanda, and uh, I am a senior manager of UX, and I currently manage the UX writing team and also the UX research team here at Get Your Guide. Cool. Cool. So uh, I'm Angela uh, and I'm the responsible recruiter for uh, product. Uh, so I pretty much take care of um, product positions, product management, UX uh, that goes between from, you know, product design, UX research and UX writing. What kind of roles do you hire for? Um, so, so yeah, I usually focus mostly on product management and designers, which are the roles that we usually have more need uh, of. And so what are some of the things that uh, you have collaborated on in the recent past or even currently working on? Everything. (laughs) I I feel like Angela and I are like constantly slacking each other. Like, hey, have you seen this profile? Like, oh, okay, I'll reach out. Or um, what about this person? And it's really nice working with someone who's so responsive and proactive because like we just kind of have this ongoing conversation, which mm. is nice to know that, like, I'm also, as a hiring manager, like, reassured that things are always moving forward, which I really appreciate. Mm. So we're always looking for people with experience, especially working across these um, cross-functional teams, um, because that's the way that our product org is set up. And we're looking, when we talk about experience, we mean, like, you know, at least two or three years working on something similar, maybe not in exactly the same industry or role or um, level of complexity. Like, obviously, we understand that people move around and they need to grow as well. And that's part of the reason why people change jobs. But um, one thing that I struggle with is often I will... I'm going into struggles. Is that okay? I'm not answering your question. No, but just continue. We'll go back to it. Okay. Um, One of the things that I struggle with is that often I get approached by much more junior candidates than we have room for in the team. Mm. And currently, we're at a level of maturity where we're trying to build out the leadership of Mm -hmm. product and design at Get Your Guide, which Mm. is awesome if you are experienced and you want to come in and define what it means to be a product designer, what it means to be a product manager within a company that's growing really fast and evolving its product really fast. Um, but if you are someone who is used to, let's say, designing to a brief that's very, um, you know, like tells you exactly what you need to do and what the problem is and who the customer is, and you don't have to do any of that investigation yourself, then you will probably be super frustrated here mm. when you don't have anyone to help set set up that foundation from mm. what you're supposed to be working on and you're required to do that yourself. Right. So when we talk about the vision for the team, I would say like elevating the quality of leadership we have across all roles mm. is one major theme. And also getting people in who are like not afraid to make big changes to a product that has largely been unchanged 
for many years, mm. which is fun if you like to come in and blow things up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then also being able to take that vision for blowing something up and then breaking it down into manageable steps and like, what is the first thing that we need to do in order to achieve this? Mm. Is there anything that you could add in terms of like some of the first conversations you have with candidates about where the team is at and the next steps that we're taking? Uh, let me think. Um, so I think that, I mean, pretty much Amanda gave a full picture of, uh, of what we are looking for mm. and uh, what's the plan for the future. Um, so one thing that I definitely uh, agree with is the, um, you know, when you come in to get your guide, especially as a product person, you need to be very flexible and dynamic and be ready for, for change. Mm. But that's probably not only for product, but for any uh, role, because we are a very fast-paced uh, environment. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, you need to be yeah, ready and, um, mm. and, and, and flexible and that's resilient as well. Mm. Yeah, I think you, you bring up resilience, which is crucial, because when you're in a situation where things are changing around you really rapidly, you know, you have to kind of be resilient. And when I think of resilience, I mean, like, creating your own frameworks and systems in order to manage yourself. Mm. What are you celebrating for yourself? What are the achievements that you've had that you, you know, can, can actually create some celebration around that gives you closure on something when maybe, you know, we're iterating on features over and over and over again. So how can you feel satisfied at the end of the day? Mm. Like that's something that is really challenging in any like growth company. And the people that I've seen be really successful here in product often are able to do that for themselves. That's even a good advice to, <laughs> to take in general. To you know? human beings yeah. in general. <laughs> Surprise! In addition to being a hiring manager, I'm also a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because product and design is quite like a new field compared to something more traditional like, you know, HR or sales. You know, it is an emerging, emerging field. It has been for a while. And so there are some people who are in more traditional roles who may want to transfer over to product and design. What are some, if someone did want to go from, let's say, editorial, like jobs where you get a lot of briefs, very specific, if there are talented people in like other fields and they want, and they're senior and they want to go into product and design, do you have any um, advice for anyone who wants to switch into this field? What are some like transferable skills that might actually work and have a bring a fresh perspective to product design here. Yeah. So I did that as an IC. I started, so I, I came from Amazon before I was, I get your guide. And I started in a, they hired me to be a marketing copywriter um, for a photo storage product that um, was part of the prime uh, product suite. And uh, I kind of looked around and realized that the majority of the projects that needed to be done were actually within the product itself. And so I started just talking to people around the company and other teams, other departments to be like, okay, well, how does localization work? And how does, you know, I would talk to engineers about like, okay, like what are the, the problems that you face when you're like working on a, on a product? And I don't want to get too technical here, but like, there's all kinds of things about like, where are you housing the text that lives in the product and how is that configured? And that has an effect on how you write things mm. and having to get very technically into the weeds. Um, and because I was already part of the team, everybody was super supportive and really helpful and answered all of my questions. And they were really generous with their time. 
um, which has also been my experience here at Get Your Guide for the record. Mm -hmm. um, so my advice for someone who is moving from something like editorial or marketing writing into UX writing or anything is like, if you are in a role right now and that role exists at your company, just start looking for projects that you can do at your company. Mm. Find, you know, find someone who's in that role and partner with them on something, you know, take them out for coffee and pick their brain on things, ask them to look at things they're working on. And if that role doesn't exist, which, you know, like there's a lot of specialization, for example, within UX, like if there's no UX writing team at your company, then just start doing it if you see a need. And so mm -hmm. approach an engineer and, you know, or if you have a friend who even like, at a, you know, who's in another department who's working on something like, hey, like maybe I can help you just look at this um, text that you're working on. And then you kind of like build up a portfolio of projects that mm -hmm. way. But it's much easier to transition once you're already established and trusted within a company than mm -hmm. it is to come in as an unknown to a new company without the prior experience. Mm. That's really good. Yeah. And if I actually uh, can add to that, um, if you decide to transition from one um, area or discipline to another one and you want to also change company, you need to be ready to compromise mm. uh, and, you know, be open to take a setback and, you know, start things from, from scratch. Also, because the market is getting, the job market is getting very um, um, crowded and, and competitive. Um, so if you feel like you want to take a new adventure and you want to change company and also a career, then you need to be open to take a setback. Mm. Mm, that's true. And maybe you don't see it as a setback, you know, right. like, obviously, like you control the narrative around yeah. your experience. And so if this is something that you do for a little while to kind of learn, like build a foundation for yourself, like career switching is mm. super hard and stressful and can also feel really kind of emotionally challenging and even demoralizing at times. And I know this because I've done it, mm. not just in that Amazon example, but also when I changed from like, uh, I was managing, I have a super weird, like professional path, but I started my professional career managing a portfolio of commercial real estate properties mm -hmm. in Seattle. Okay. Which like <laughs> people around the room right now looking at me like, oh, that's really, yeah. I didn't know that, it's, which is true. And then when I like wanted to start getting into working in technology and working with like digital marketing initially, I basically just like worked with friends on stuff that they were working on. I did like whatever job I could get and didn't get paid very much. But luckily I had my own savings from this real estate job that mm. I like lived on for like two years almost. Wow. Yeah. And ended up like kind of learning and building a network and tapped into my friends' networks and then just kind of like hustled, mm -hmm. totally burnt out by the end of two years. And then I was like asking around for referrals that companies so that I didn't have to like for example do my own invoicing <laughs> and contracting whatever yeah, yeah. else yeah um, and that's how I got hired at Amazon yeah. like someone that I asked gave me a referral so it's like yeah I made no money for two years but then made the jump yeah and it's kind of the same as like a lot of people go into boot camps mm. you know there's a lot of UX boot camps uh, that happen in Berlin yeah yeah that's right for example mm. and it's like okay yeah so you might have to take out for example a loan yeah to manage that because it is a lot and it mm. is demanding. Mm. Um, so like 
do that for however long you need to do it and then figure out, you know, how to kind of work your existing network and just, you know, power through it as best you can. And then eventually you'll land somewhere. I feel like I'm getting some personal advice right now. <laughs> like I'm just like really taking this to heart. So for listeners, we're, we're looking for that kind of hustle. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I think also, I mean, as a general note, you know, that I think sometimes we are raised with this idea that, you know, careers are linear and, and they're not. I mean, no. and they can be completely personal and can be your own journey. And it's, um, and it's up to each of us to, um, design the career that we want. And, and sometimes there are times where we need to focus more on the investment that we're putting into ourselves than that's necessarily seeing that return immediately, but hopefully, it will come down the line because you you're investing in yourself, you're building skills, you're laying the foundation to be able to do what it is that you want to do. And then hopefully you will do that and be successful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And another thing I often experience when I'm in like coaching conversations or even just casual conversations with people who are trying to get into product and design from other fields is they feel this shame and imposterness mm. because they didn't go to design school for example i didn't go to design school i have a degree in english and french literature which everybody was like what are you gonna do with that and i had no answer for them um like you know just just leave that behind just like whatever you need to do to like release that to its highest good elsewhere please do because it will not serve you and if you're the one who is like framing your narrative especially as you're speaking to potential employers later like you choose how you represent your experience mm. Mm. so we know from from experience that uh, some people are not familiar with the way that we um do work here at get your guide um we have uh, a model you know a, a working structure called mission teams um and i know that for some people they're like oh what does that mean or i've never heard of that before or i've never worked in that way before um, so my question is for Angela, um, as a recruiter, when you're talking with candidates, how do you, um, how do you explain mission team structures mm -hmm. to them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I usually start from, uh, you know, mentioning the, the customer journey. And then I, um, I usually explain that we have mission teams, which means that we have dedicated teams that work on each part of the customer journey. Mm -hmm. um, not only that, but also B2B in, in Get Your Guide, uh, Get Your Guide's case. Um, and basically, I um, tell them that, you know, the mission team is sort of a startup within a startup. So every mission team is, um, uh, you know, detached, not detached, but like independent mm -hmm. uh, from the other teams. Although, of course, there might be some collaborations um, cross team. Uh, and then uh, in every mission team, uh, there are um, individuals that are, um, uh, you know, the to say professionals in their disciplines mm -hmm. so we have front-end engineers back-end engineers uh, designer writer pm engineering manager and it's cross-functional so mm -hmm. every um, individual brings their own uh, expertise and uh, perspective as well right so the key here is that if you come in as you know a ux um, writer or a designer you are actually mostly working with people that have different um, functions and, yes. and skills in yourself. Yeah. It's not coming in and then sitting and just in the team with other UX designers, yeah. as far as I understand. <laughs> no, that's correct. Mm -hmm. And like Angela was saying, like the thinking behind that is that you have a diversity of disciplines and expertise and perspectives around the table. And so as you're approaching a very cognitively complex 
task. So for example, solving like a customer problem or like fixing something in the software, like those are hard things to do. So you basically want a bunch of people all representing like, you know, the business side, the technical feasibility Mm. and the actual usability of whatever Mm. your solution is around the table so that you can Mm. put the best solution forward. Mm. Mm. Do you have an example of, um, of a mission team and what, uh, a, a problem a mission team could be working on just for the listeners to understand. Yeah, for people who have never heard of Get Your Guide, maybe just <laughs> something like introducing them to it. Sure. Um, also, just um, one note. some This concept of missions, we, mm. we call it missions. Other companies within the industry call it squads or tribes. Mm. So there's like this kind of like, there's a lot of different names for it. Right. Um, but an example... I guess we could talk about the discovery team. Mm -hmm. So discovery is working on helping customers find the travel experiences and activities that are right for their needs, Mm -hmm. um, which is a surprisingly challenging problem when you have like 40,000 different activities to offer. Um, And they have an embedded uh, user researcher in addition to a product manager, a product designer, a UX writer, and a team of amazing engineers and an engineering manager. Mm-hmm. So that's one of our bigger mission teams because of the complexity and scope of what they're working on. Mm. This is a good time to plug a blog post on Inside Get Your Guide. Um, Kansu, uh, she did a blog on integrating design into mission teams, which is like how designers work with engineers who may not be used to working with um, designers. Is there anything that you want to add to that to that blog post about how designers integrate with Mission teams. Maybe Amanda could be the best person to answer this question. Well, I mean, obviously, like, you have a lot of different opinionated, smart people around a table. Mm -hmm. Often, again, like, Get Your Guide is a a fairly, like, at least nationally diverse company. We have, Mm -hmm. I think, like, 60 different nationalities represented at the company. Mm -hmm. So chances are, around the table, you've got, like, a bunch of people from different parts of the world, from different backgrounds professionally, mm. who are all trying to solve the same problem. And sometimes you end up just in endless discussion loops. Yeah. So I think the biggest piece of advice I could give anybody about plugging into a cross-functional team is always stay focused on the outcome that you're driving towards. Absolutely. Like, what is the action that you need to take right now? Mm. Because otherwise it's really easy to just kind of like cycle forever on like the philosophy of all the different like disciplines Mm -hmm. that are gathered together. Yeah. And everybody's proud of their craft. Yes. (laughs) You know where they're they're coming from. Yeah. Um, Which is also one of the reasons that I appreciate that we try to, to make it as simple as possible by, you know, keep asking ourselves, you know, how is this helping the customer? Are we being customer centric right now or are we just having, you know, a conversation yeah. for an hour totally. um, yeah. about our, like how great we are at what we're doing. But in the end, we need to serve something to to people. That's a great point, Mark. Mm-hmm. Like the, the customer focus is the thing that actually lets us get stuff done. Mm. Because otherwise, <laughs> like, probably just like discussion spiral mm. forever but because we care about the people who are using our product we like yeah. can always just bring it back to them mm. and no matter what field you come from no matter how you feel about the the problem itself that you're solving and like the the craft of it and the technicality of it like at the end of the day 
we're just trying to do the right thing for people. Yeah. 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 I know it's um, not uncommon for people to to want to do what they did at a previous company that worked well. And maybe that other company was a totally different product. And they're like, well, this I know this works. I've done it like five times. So it's good to come back to that question about like, get your guide customers. What's working for them, which is normally kind of makes decision making a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my question in that, with all that taken into consideration, like when you get uh, candidates in and you get the application, um, so... What does one need to do to, to get past you? What do you what do, <laughs> what are you looking for in people before you're just like before you say, now I'll let you speak with Amanda? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, always read the job description because many Oh yeah, that times, is key. <laughs> yeah, because many times uh, we get applications that don't really fit uh, the the requirements that are written in the job description. So first of all, please read the job description. Um, and then, uh, usually in my phone screen, I try, of course, you know, it's just an initial conversation. So I try to understand the general motivation of the person, um, and also the background and what kind of experience they had. I try to understand if they, um, solved any problems that might be similar to what we want to solve here at Get Your Guide and mm-hmm. what kind of environments they, they come from, uh, so in terms of preparation for the phone screen, um, so I would say, of course, do some research on Get Your Guide. That's very, very important. Mm. Um, and, you know, understand what kind of company we are, what kind of product we have and what kind of problems we are trying to to solve. Um, and uh, just be yourself. That's mm. the most important thing. Um, just be yourself and be uh, be honest and, and transparent. That's uh, that's something that we really value here. Mm. Um, so you mentioned customer centricity before, uh, mm. which is actually one of the um, uh, most important uh, traits that we look for in people, not only in product, but in, in general. In yeah. Nature guide. Um, specifically to product, I would add also, um, we usually look for data-driven mindset, uh, which is also very important. So, you know, if you have this um, mentality of always backing up your decisions with data, uh, that's that's very important. And, uh, you know, experience working with KPIs also. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also mentioned fast-paced environment, growth. Um, so growth mindset, that's also one other uh, trait that we um, always try to screen for. Mm. Or I try to screen for in yeah, my yeah, first yeah. screen. Sometimes, you know, I might miss it. Sometimes I, I catch it. You know, it depends. But mm-hmm. uh, throughout the entire um, interview process, um, this growth mindset. So making sure that you, um, you know, you can think ahead and you can uh, plan and you can you have a vision of the work that you're doing, mm. not only in one year from now, two years from now, three mm. years from now, five years from now, mm. depending on, on your role. Right. Right. So try to um, uh, to think ahead. Right. And so throughout um, our recruitment process, how many how many steps do we have, let's say, for d- typically for a designer or, or researcher, writer? Mm hmm. So I think it depends on the role. We have uh, different uh, interview processes depending on the discipline. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, but we usually have a font screen at the very beginning, mm -hmm. then a hiring manager slash technical interview. Mm -hmm. um, and then in some cases, an additional technical interview with the rest of the team. Right. Uh, and then a face-to-face -face interview where we invite candidates in and we um, it's also a chance for us to meet them in person and for them to meet us in person. Mm -hmm. And they usually um, meet the main stakeholders and go for lunch with the team. Yeah. It's a long process. That's, 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 but that's something for people to be able to think ahead and plan yeah. ahead. Yeah. I mean, um, just one thing to add. Mm -hmm. uh, so I mentioned it's a long process. Uh, it's actually not. So we try to be as fast as possible. Of in course. Terms of, uh, you know, uh, moving candidates in the pipeline. Yeah. We have several steps, uh, but I think that, you know, every step adds something valuable to Absolutely. the overall assessment of Absolutely. the person. So. And say for Amanda, when you then um, are working with candidates and trying to assess them on like a technical level like what are some of the things that you're, you're looking for i mean certainly the customer mindset like the customer focus so mm. like are you starting your work by identifying a problem or an opportunity um, that actually addresses some customer need or desire so especially for the ux disciplines this is pretty crucial mm. so if you're just like you know designing stuff in a vacuum without actually talking to people about mm -hmm. it or looking at the data. And then, you know, also just caveat data could be both quantitative. So things like um, performance metrics, yeah. analytics, it could also be qualitative. So like if you hand your app to a human being and watch them use it, where do they struggle? That's mm -hmm. also data mm -hmm. and that's also valid. Um, so, you know, are you using those things to inform the the problem that you're trying to solve and the way that you're trying to solve it. That's one thing. Another thing that we look for technically across all of the UX disciplines is a kind of holistic experience mindset. So not just focusing on like one tiny feature within a particular app, let's say a search bar. Mm. So like if your if your job is to improve the usability of the search bar, which like when I was at Amazon is its whole team. Like, cause that's like, you know, the majority of their traffic goes through the search bar on the page. Um, but also paying attention to the ways that changes to that affect other parts of the product. Mm -hmm. And so if you're so like laser focused on just one piece and then your counterparts and other teams are also laser focused on their own small slices, mm -hmm. then there's often gaps in between those slices. So you'll have a good experience on the search bar experience, but then when you actually get to the results, maybe there's like some like filter problems right. that exist, for example. And so being able to kind of zoom out and synthesize what your impact is across an entire journey is really crucial. Kind of like that news story about that satellite where like two different teams were building it. And then when they shot it into space, it like went into two pieces because yes. they didn't build it together. What? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If anyone yes. has more info on that story. Yes. I mean, definitely. That's a great example. And that totally happens in in um, software companies. We call it shipping your org chart because you're like launching stuff along the lines of your organization's like reporting structure right. or team structure instead of looking at how a human would actually use that thing in the real world, in the wild. Wow. I'm definitely surprised that <laughs> that's going on. So I'm definitely happy not to have stumbled upon that at Get Your Guide. <laughs> yeah. What is... Um, 
what is something that is a, a common um, misconception from candidates' side? If there's one thing that you would like like to, to clear up right here now, what would that be if you have it? One misconception that I get a lot is like, so I often will post my open roles on LinkedIn mm. because I have a pretty big network of really smart people. And uh, oftentimes my posts will get shared and then it goes out to more people. And, you know, the goal is to start a conversation with someone who might be interested in a role that I have open on, on my team. Uh, the problem that I have is that specifically for UX writing, I get so many journalists and marketing copywriters who have no product experience at all, who see writing, don't read the job description to your point before Angela, mm -hmm. and then send me a very excited message about how they're perfect for this role that they actually are completely unqualified mm -hmm. for. Mm. And then I have to kind of pop their balloon of enthusiasm, which feels kind of not nice for me too. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, I'm really sorry. Like you seem really excited about this, but mm -hmm. like there is no way I'm going to hire you if you've never written for software before, because it is like a very technical thing. Yeah. 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 So, sorry. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a strong point. And as we were talking about uh, career development before, yeah. If you are a writer, if you're a journalist, if you are a marketing copywriter, um, and you're interested in switching over to do more product, start by doing projects or go yeah. to like do a boot camp or, or, you know, show Amanda how you, how you're going to help her on her team. Please. <laughs> Rewind this podcast a little bit and you listen to what she said <laughs> a couple minutes ago. Um, yeah. So from my side, to be honest, so when I speak to candidates, candidates have already done a screening, mm, so right. it's a bit difficult. Um, in terms of, I don't know if I would call it misconception, but um, we, so in job description, we usually explain what the team is working on. Yeah. And many times candidates um, ask me, okay, I don't know anything about the team. So wh where is this role? Which team is this role going to be fit, fit into? Mm -hmm. Read, the, like, job Read the job description. <laughs> so, wow, um, we're I mean, really I, at I that stage. <laughs> I don't know if I would call it misconception, but right. it's more like a lack of... Um, mm. I don't know, misinformation. Maybe. Yes. So it's like just a basic advice. Like if you want to be taken seriously, read the job description. Yeah. 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 I mean, one common misconception that I get when I'm just like out in the world talking to people about what I do mm. is when I say I work at Get Your Guide, they're like, oh, so are you a tour guide? And I'm like, <laughs> well, not exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tour guide of the user experience. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, is there is there any is there any common question that you that you get a lot? Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, most of the questions actually are around the product vision. So people want to know uh, what we are doing in terms of product and where we want to go in the future mm -hmm. and how we see the product develop in the next uh, few years. Mm -hmm. um, so product vision and product strategy comes up a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so candidates usually ask me about the team structure, mm. uh, which is reasonable because, of course, they want to understand, you know, what kind of team they would work, potentially work into mm. and what kind of environment we have here. Mm -hmm. um, and also they ask me a lot about uh, uh, company culture. Right. It's also another recurrent topic. So just to sum up, like here, what would you say is our like product uh, visions? 
Um, so yeah, so I usually mentioned that we are going to focus uh, a lot of mob on mobile because we've seen that most of our customers are uh, pretty much using a mobile to, to book experiences on Get Your Guide. Um, and uh, I mean, of course, we are uh, very strong in, in Europe, but we are also uh, looking at other markets as well. Right. But that's more from a, a company or business perspective. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything that we can add to that? So much I could add. <laughs> so I think that when we think about the vision for the product, the most exciting part of that that's actually in the works right now is a general shift from just being a site where people go and just like book tickets to the Eiffel Tower or whatever that they come in through Google search and they book the ticket and then that's that to actually creating an experience that solves customer problems when they're, for example, in a foreign place where they've never been before, where they don't really have their bearings um, finding ways to help them orient themselves to where they are, finding ways to help um, them get around and have a really incredible experience. Like our brand promise is love where you're going. And I think that we're really trying to live that in the product in some pretty exciting ways. And mm. and to that end, again, it goes back to like, this is one of the reasons why we're looking for a lot of senior talent and leadership talent right now within product because we're making this kind of strategic shift to actually being more of like a, an entertainment company than mm -hmm. just a place where you would go and book the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we are not booking.com. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, we're not. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate you booking.com, however, but like, you know, we have something different. And mm. so we're really trying to be the travel companion that goes with you when you're out exploring somewhere new. Yeah. Um, and mm -hmm. to, to Angela's point, like the apps, like native apps, iOS, Android are actually a huge part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also another um, big challenge, which we've been uh, tackling in the last uh, months is really, um, you know, pushing the brand out there yeah. because mm -hmm. of course, you know, like, uh, Sometimes when you are actually many times when you book something on Get Your Guide, you just stumbled upon the website, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But the challenge is really to become the go-to platform for experiences. Mm -hmm. yeah. And how can you do that? Just to strengthen the brand and making sure that the people remember the brand. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And once they go to Paris or London and they wanna, they are you know questioning themselves, or oh, what are we gonna do in Paris? Mm -hmm. Then they immediately think about Get Your Guide because they remember the brand. Yeah. They maybe used the product before. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they love and they love the experience of exactly. using. Yeah. That's the thing yeah. that like building value into the site and service itself is kind of the name of the game these days. Mm -hmm. And so how can we make it easier for you to have an incredible time when mm. you're somewhere that you're not familiar with? Like yeah. we have your back. Mm. That's why it's called get your guide and not book that thing dot com. <laughs> So you also talked about uh, how Candice, they ask about um, the team structure. So we talked about uh, mission teams. Um, is there anything else we could kind of clear up in terms of uh, the team structure or anything else to address? Mm. So Amanda mentioned that at the very beginning. So we have three disciplines within UX, yeah. um, product design, research, and writing. And yes. every discipline has their own uh, manager or, or lead. Yeah. 
Um, what else? I mean, we mentioned that we work in mission teams, cross-functional teams, but of course we have a unified UX team, right? right. So to always make sure that everybody's on the same page, um, page the, the team has um, uh, weekly meetings where mm. they discuss what they are working on, the challenges that they are facing and so on. Yeah. Um, to make sure that we don't go into the silos mode. So that exactly. you are a designer in a mission team and you yeah. are just, you know, working with your mission team. One other thing to add to that that's really exciting about Get Your Guide that is not true in some other companies is that the UX team rolls into the chief product officer, which means that we are seen as strategic counterparts and peers to our PM counterparts, mm. um, which is awesome. Uh, so, but that also means that we want our UX folks to have a strong product development, understanding, background, focus. Right. And that means understanding how to, um, you know, take a, a strategy and run with it. How do you prioritize? How do you make trade-offs based on what the customer needs are and what the business goals are? You know, I think that having a strong product mindset is something that um, we're growing and expanding all the time. Mm. And so to the questions about um, culture, um, I know that we spend a lot of time internally talking about cultural adaptability. Why would you say that cultural adaptability is, is so important for us or specifically your teams? How do we yeah, assess yeah. cultural adaptability? Well, mm, I mean, okay. people often ask me in interviews, not just for UX roles, but also for PM roles where I'm just an interviewer. Mm. Um, they will ask, like, what is the culture like? Or what has been your experience of the culture? Mm. Mm -hmm. um, because they're trying to gauge, like, can I adapt to this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and usually what I say is, Unlike more established companies where there's a lot of process, there's a lot of like frameworks that you can tap into and use here. It's kind of more like the Wild West, mm -hmm. where if you want to question something, if you feel like we're doing something in a way that deserves to be interrogated or, or revised somehow, everything is on the table. Mm -hmm. Everything is up for discussion, which is awesome. And that goes for, you know, in uh, like a junior engineer all the way up the chain to the CPO. Like if you see something that you think we could be doing better, we want you to say something about it. Mm. And that is a huge part of the culture here that mm. um, I think for some people is really scary because again, if you're used to having a very clear structure for mm. how things are supposed to go and not necessarily creating that yourself, that can be really jarring and <clears throat> feel really distracting. Yeah. And also a, a reminder that that it's a two way stream. And that's why I can feel intimidating, like because everything's on the table and you're able to give uh, feedback to your peers. Of course, it also means that your peers are also giving you yeah. very honest feedback about your work. I mean, hopefully always for the better in a constructive way. Yeah. But I know that some people, the thought of, you know, being evaluated by peers can be intimidating. Definitely. Yeah. Like you are accountable for the changes that you make. Mm. The nice thing is that there's not a lot of politics or ego here either. Mm. So you can just try to do your best. And if it doesn't work, then nobody is going to get mad at you for trying something new that doesn't work. It's mm. fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then actually from the recruiting perspective to address the question on how we assess for cultural adaptability. Um, so especially in product, we used to have a specific um, interview for uh, cultural uh, adaptability. Um, but then we decided to, because of course we want to, um, you know, streamline the processes and making sure that we will, we move as fast as possible. Um, so we revised all the, re uh, the recruiting processes and we decided to actually eliminate that uh, individual cultural adaptability interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, but making sure that throughout the entire process, mm -hmm. in each step, we ask some questions that might um, assess uh, the cultural um, adaptability mm -hmm. for Get Your Guide. And what I mean by that is that we try to, um, so we always take the core values into consideration. We always try to remember our essence as, mm -hmm. as a company, right? Yeah. And we try to make sure that we ask questions that might assess um, the cultural yeah, the cultural understanding. The cultural understanding and mm. how that actually um, adapts to what we have here in the company. Yeah. And so for everyone who uh, is listening and not familiar with our uh, core values, they are clarity, commitment, uh, passion, positivity, and learning. Learning. And you can read more about that on our blog, inside.getyourguide.com. One other note about adapting to a new culture. One of the things that we like really assess for at every stage of the interview process, and that I think also is a part of like this growth mindset, is how self-reflective are you? When mm -hmm. you are working on something and it doesn't go the way you want, are you able to look back at your own actions and how you showed up and what your intentions were versus the impact that you had on the people around you and really like look at that with with some degree of clarity mm. um and do you then take actions to change that because if you are avoiding dealing with some of your own kind of like you know troubles or patterns then it's going to be really hard for you to adapt to anything and because our company is growing and changing so fast that mm -hmm. adaptability is crucial mm -hmm. Great. Also makes you like a more effective human, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, that wraps up this episode. Thank you both for your insights and stay tuned for the next episode of Talented. Ciao. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.